We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. There's I, there's only two players I want him to draft now. I've I've spent you're studying Horses. you're studying for the you know you're studying to uh, for your uh, what GMAT GMAT yeah. I'm watching Euro League Australian League NCAA I don't sleep. <laughs> They're drafting these are the two names. No one else even matters to me. Everyone else is gonna be a bust. Killian Hayes. And Tyreek Tyrese Halliburton. Those are the only guys I want. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Killian Hayes, I just saw on the timeline. He's an 18-year-old in Australia, correct? France. Ah, close enough. His name is Killian, though? He's he's uh so his dad was an American player who uh played in the ABA and then moved to France and had like a long career there. He's kind of moved back and forth, but his dad kept him in France more. He wanted to come back to the U.S. His dad was like, "No, no, no! You're gonna, you're gonna become a love of the fame player in America. We'll keep you over here where they teach you how to do back cuts and do all the fundamentals." I don't know if that's the truth, but like well, that, is, that is his backstory. Um, I think we'll see more and more of that, like you because know, like globalization, and you know what I'm saying. Well, classic Warriors pick too. They're picking a player whose dad was a ex-pro basketball player. Shocking, really shocking. Not done. You know, I, I've watched as much as 10 minutes of him on YouTube <laughs> and I've determined he is a cross of Tony Parker and Steph Curry and Ricky Rubio's body. So, Wait, hold on, hold on. So he's a, he's a, he's, so he's a great shooter, a great passer and a great 
uh, floor and, leader. And quick as hell. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, the, 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 he, he can shoot and he's quick. Um, and he's he's like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and maybe 150 who's, pounds. Who's this, who's this other guy? Who, who's this Halliburton? Sounds like a fish. You would like this guy. It, it's just a question of if you want to take him that high. Because he reminds me of like Livingston and Lonzo where you're like – you know, you know when someone's the quickest player on the court, but it's not because they're super athletic. It's just they're they're smarter than everyone. They know where the balls. They're always making the extra pass. They're good on defense because they read what you do beforehand. And he's he's long, so I don't know. The advanced stat guys love him, but you watch well, it sounds him. like an advanced stat guy player. Yeah, he's 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 Alonzo Livingston esque in the sense of. You you just know this guy's going to be a winning player in that NBA. He's another guard, dude. There's not like I, I don't know. This is this there's is a really guard no heavy win, draft. Huh? Yeah, Kill, really... Killian Hayes is like twelve. All I know, all, <laughs> the, the thing on him is he's a. Uh, I think people thought he was going to come out next year, but because this draft is, sucks and um, he's getting a lot of run in the Euro League, which is rare for a guy that young. Everyone's like, dude, you're going to probably be a top five pick if you just come out now. So uh, it's one of those, like, I'm looking at him and, like, some of these guys. I'm like, they could be really good players. They're absolutely not going to help the Warriors in 2020, 2021. (laughs) Um, I was thinking about uh, it this yesterday, and I think, you know who I really like watching lately? Um, Matisse Teibel. Do you know who that guy is? Yes, Washington, uh, baby. He was nice. I kind of wanted the Warriors to draft him last year. Yeah. Um, and I have the tweets to back it up, which, you know, <laughs> the most important thing is being able to say you got the tweets. Um, and uh, good. He is good. He would have been perfect on the Warriors. It's too bad. I mean, here's the thing. I don't even he know went, if the Warriors would have drafted him. He, he went, went 20. Eight, yeah. Yeah. He went eight picks before them. Um, he's in a good situation. Uh, he sh- he's shooting a little better than I thought, but he's like, yeah, he's very clearly a Warriors type player. I think they would have took him if he fell to them. Yeah. It's uh, it's I I get I get sad even though Jordan Poole's been uh been good lately. Um, I, like, I like Jordan Poole. I I can definitely <laughs> Sam is all in. All he does is I can I, I definitely see myself on the Jordan Poole island in three years when the shots still not falling consistently enough. Like I, I think you agree with me. If Jordan Poole starts hitting thirty seven percent of his threes, he's a player because he does enough other stuff that you're like. But but if he if he can't hit the shot, he's he doesn't do that other stuff well enough to justify staying on the floor. Well, I guess who's to say that he can't, you know, make open shots when he's playing next to, you know, Clay Thompson on the off the bench or he's playing next to Steph and or D'Lo and and you know, D'Lo, Clay and Jordan Poole, hey, ain't nobody playing defense in that in that lineup, but I mean Jordan Poole is going to get a lot of wide open shots with D'Lo and Clay on the floor. That's for sure. Like that's going to be fun. Yeah. Um I think what I like most about Jordan Poole is he's he's scrappier than I thought. Um, and that's, that just buys him, um, so much rope with me. Like he, he was like two for 10 in the Portland game after having a few good shooting games, but you know, it doesn't matter as long as he's, he's competing hard as far as I'm concerned, you know, cause he's young. Um, it, it takes a while for me to <laughs> give up on a guy with like, who makes just enough shots and like tantalizing plays off the dribble that I'm like, okay, we can't, we can't quit on him just yet. You know, yeah, now, J- Jacob, Jacob Evans. Uh, I knew, I knew I'm, why I'm, I'm a little out on that one. <laughs> just Jacob, Jacob Evans, uh, slander pops up in the pod within a few, uh, few minutes without fail. 
uh, I also I was uh, I I, uh, I was watching uh, last night's was it last night now yeah last night's game and I it, it is a little bit crazy um, that you watch Eric Pascal and he does kind of it's always funny when people say he is Draymond because I guess he kind of maybe looks like Draymond kind of but he literally. And exactly, which is like, why is Reggie Miller saying that of all? I guess if you're Reggie Miller, you can say it. Um, but that's why like Jeff Van Gundy wouldn't say it, right? Um, <laughs> but literally the exact opposite. Literally, besides, besides like their quick jump, I think like they're they're both super quick off the floor. But beyond that, well, it's, it's like making mirage jumpers. Has you Draymond might as well call him, one? You <laughs> might as well just say every tweeter's Draymond. You know, like <laughs> like the, the the comp is like they're like six six power forwards who kind of use it to their advantage a little bit. But yeah, um, to me, <laughs> makes no sense. To me, his uh, I mean, his best case comp is Millsap. Not saying he's ever going to get there or anything, but like if you want like a comp for what is the best case version of Eric Pascal, it's it's Millsap, which Millsap is nice. Is it would be very nice. It would it would be nice if he can make threes, but that's why he's a rookie uh, uh, in the NBA. But because uh, he's every time he shoots a three, he's jumping three feet off the ground. There's no way that's consistent. Like there is no <laughs> there is no world where you can consistently shoot like thirty five percent from three if you're. You know how far the NBA, I don't. I think people don't at realize how far the NBA three is. You know, you, you go to a bunch of games, right, Sam? Like you see people shoot like those 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 free throws or threes um, for whatever prize that they get, and they're airballing because they just don't realize that NBA three is far. Yeah, um, I think he'll get his shot coming around. He seems like a guy who's, you know, not going to be out of shape in the summer and then like crash coursing at Soul Cycle in October. <laughs> so. Um, I don't know. We'll see if his shot comes around, but either way, it's, uh, he, he's got some, uh, he's got some upside actually. So let's, let's roll into that. I wanted to start on Steph, but let's do the Pascal thing. Yeah. Um, so the, I, we, we all noticed this by the eye test. The offense had been pretty, which is gross when Draymond plays. Um, but friend of the show, Anthony Slater actually had the numbers to back it up. And this stuck out to me. The relevant number, Pascal makes 53% of his shots when Draymond Green is off the floor, only 42% when he's on it, scoring more than two points fewer per 36 possessions. And that was before the last two games. Last two games, Draymond sat. Pascal, 8 for 14, 20 points, 9 rebounds, 2 steals in the win over Orlando. And then followed it up with a pretty good game against Portland. Um... You know, he's guarded by Mello, so I feel like 22 points is just a baseline. But yeah, 22 <laughs> points, 11 for 21, 13 rebounds. The 13 rebounds uh, was nice, in my opinion. A couple assists. Um, it is It is pretty, it's pretty fascinating when you think about next year, which is what we're all thinking about. But you see Draymond hold the ball up there, and he's essentially like a – he's like a um, – He's essentially just someone that's, you know, what are one of those jugs, jugs balls where they like just shoot out footballs for wide yeah. receivers. Uh, that's like what Draymond is at this point at the front of the front of the key where he's just literally standing there, wheeling the ball back and forth. Everybody knows exactly what he's doing. This is year six, year seven of the offense now. Um, it's not helping. It's got worse every year. This year he's shooting 38% from the field, um, which is a lot of it's because he's just not getting those quick 
layups that he gets from Steph and Clay's spacing. That's only, the other one, though. Only 27% from the three-point line, which is actually his career low. He's gotten <sighs> worse since last year. Then, then rookie year, Trey, too? Like, that was bad. This, this it is might not well. be worse than rookie <laughs> year, but rookie year, I'm not sure counts because he didn't exactly play that many games. Anyway, my, you know, at, at some point he's probably going to hit some more. Sh- no, it's not worse than his rookie year. It's his worst since his rookie year. Um, to put this into perspective, he hit 39% in the 73 win season. And, you know, we all kind of thought he had his shot figured out. Um, the next year he goes back down to 31%. Then thirty percent last year twenty eight point five right now twenty six point eight. Okay, I will I will say this about Draymond. Um, I, I do feel it's hard to, and maybe you can't play Draymond and Pascal together unless it's four and five. I, I definitely think that's the case, but it it is hard to say. It is hard when Steph is out. It is hard when Clay is out because you just can't expect Draymond to really be any type of score or anything like that without their spacing. It's like how Steph, you know, he gets saved a lot on defense by Draymond, right? So it's the other way as well. So I, I would say that. Actually, that's a that's a great point. One of the number one things people who think Steph's overrated or, you know, are upset about his existence ruining their GOAT's career <laughs> – um, love to say is like, you know, he has all this help, like all this defense behind him. I'm like, dude, none of those guys are playable together if it's not for what Steph does on offense. So um, that's a good point. Like we saw in the finals, like Iguodala, love him, five points per game, barely, right? Um, mm-hmm. Draymond, basically the same thing with a little more burst to the rim because he was 29 instead of 35. Um, Looney. I mean, let's. Oh be, is there any two? Is there any two stars you could play that would make Iguodala, Draymond, and Looney playable on offense? Be real. Like, it's not like they're bad players. I'm just saying, like, those are three players who are so defunct offensively outside of IQ. You know, like they can't shoot. They can't create off the dribble. They're literally just playing off intelligence. Is there any any backcourt you could put with those two that would make those guys playable? I mean, it's pretty obvious. You watch that like iconic Clay Thompson three in Toronto to send it back to to Oracle for Game Six, and it was literally Steph dribbling through two people, passes to Iguodala who has like an open five footer, who kicks it out to Draymond who has an open three, but who immediately swings it across the court to Clay who rails that three. Right? That's kind of like <laughs> it's it's literally it's great passing. And it's great IQ, but it's like, man, you kind of have any average offensive player there. And, you know, Iguodala probably makes that, you know, that person in that short corner probably makes that five footer. It, end up, it ends up yeah, in the have, play you three. You have Rudy but. Gay there, who's, a, who's <laughs> right. now just a nice rotation piece, right? He's like 34, nice rotation player. He probably just takes that five footer and ends it right there because he can do that. Uh, but none of those guys can do that <laughs> stuff, you know? So, um I mean, it just speaks to, I think it's a point that still needs to be railed home, how many lineups they make work that shouldn't work. And I that and that's part of kind of watching this team this year too, is uh, I, we say it every podcast, I just, I need to see, I need to see Steph and Clay and D'Lo play together. And I need to see, 
it, that's why I think if they even they trade Ben Simmons, I think that's fine for Ben Simmons. That's fine too. But I think I at need least to Ben Simmons can finish offense. at the rim on basically anyone outside of like Giannis and a couple like. But he he's how good in, does he look right now? How good does he look? <laughs> oh, I threw up his numbers since Embiid's gone down. Um, actually, I'll pull him up right now for you. He looks amazing. It's still he's still kind of a funky player because he just won't shoot the ball. This isn't like an Iguodala Draymond. They don't want to, but they'll take one. He just won't, you know. Um, and that's always weird to me. Uh, but yeah, in the seven games without Embiid, they're five and two. Uh, with wins over the Nets, Boston, two two wins over the Nets. Okay, so a little bit Chicago and the Knicks. So we'll stat padding there. <laughs> but that, but Boston. I mean, that's a team where we we. I don't even know if we would get on it. We we always do. But I mean, at th- at that point, you're like, if I just surround Ben Simmons and, and with a bunch of shooters and maybe get another star as a wing, like not just like, a, is that yeah. not more sustainable than Embiid? That having Embiid, you know, back there, who's who's, who's hurt again. Like sheesh! Like I, I don't but know, man. Could you say like, the same thing? Switch Embiid. Sorry, switch Simmons for a shooter and just play Embiid out of the post. <laughs> yeah, that's it's, true. It's like both both scenarios are just like you know you want him to make a decision because you feel like both of them can be high level like centerpiece players, but like together it just doesn't work. Anyway, uh, Simmons stats over the seven games without Embiid: twenty one points, eight assists, nine rebounds, two steals. 63% from the floor. Obviously, no threes. But with Embiid out of the paint, he's getting about 15 shots a game, going to the rim. He's he's just running the show. It's, it makes so much more sense. I... I think people like to compare like, 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 you know, poor man's magic, or even he likes to think of himself as like a, maybe LeBron when he was, I think he's more like Giannis, like a really poor man's Giannis where if, yeah, like what Milwaukee does is perfectly just throw a bunch of shooters around him. And like, you're maybe you won't win the championship. Maybe Milwaukee still needs another guy. Probably same with Ben Simmons. But if you build that, if you trade MB, you build that team around Ben Simmons. I bet you they win like fifty-five games, and they're ha- they have. I got a ton I got an argument with Sharp last year saying if you switched Simmons and Giannis, the Bucks would be like five games worse. And he he did not like my argument. He he, he got very uh, upset about it. But I'm convinced, like at least in the regular season, you're right. Like Milwaukee won sixty-two games last year. If you put Simmons there, they probably win fifty-four, fifty-five. It wouldn't like w- they wouldn't be as good because Giannis is better, but yep. it would roll through wins in the regular season. Oh, and yeah. it, it comes down to just like if you got a player who can who's that physically dominant and can handle the ball, just put shooting around him. Um, and they'd have a lot more fun just chemistry wise. Like it would just be it would just be way. I mean, like you watch the Warriors the last couple of years, uh, the way that they're having fun. I, I mean, to bring it back, uh, you got a couple of questions here on the. Um, on the rundown, just kind of saying, you know, can they continue to build that title team with Draymond with the way kind of, and it's like, for me, it's, I think, yes. I think also this Warriors team has kind of showed us like they're having a shit ton of fun playing basketball, which I did not expect. You know, you, you don't expect a team with 10. And I think that's kind of like, they know that, you know, they're fine. It's, it's just a gap year, but any team that's the worst team in the NBA, like usually things are kind of miserable. The Warriors are pretty happy. Um, and you kind of contrast that with a team like the Sixers, who are you know pretty damn good, but they they look miserable. Every they time. look a lot happier <laughs> without Embiid. <laughs> and and I'll say it also: when Simmons is out, they look happy without him too. It's just like the the <laughs> conflict of those two 
Um, I get it from the Philly perspective too. Like those are two great talents. You don't want to top fifteen. You don't want to make 20. the mistake and trade one of them for for like Dela. Well, maybe you want to do that, <laughs> but like you don't want to make a mistake. But like you you know at some point the uh, the day of reckoning is coming for that partnership. It feels so much like Lob City, although like uh, Chris Paul. Oh God, that's a good point. Chris Paul and, and uh, Blake Griffin fit together basketball wise more so than these two. You could just tell they never liked playing with each other, or they yeah. they definitely didn't like the last few years. Maybe they did initially, but whenever they like got into some bad, had a couple of bad losses, they were just so fractured. Um, the um, the the if they lose in the second round. I think there's no, you got no choice. We're just sitting here like praying. We're just like, all right, if they, if they've got a trade, which team has a better offer than, you know, a top three pick, you know, a, a starting point guard. That's at an all-star. It's like, by the way, did you watch the Angelo Russell last night? Yeah. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. Let's get, let's get to that. Cause I have more on D'Lo here, but what, what are you, what are you saying? Um, I, <sighs> I want to see Steph and Clay, so I'm not going to contradict myself. I want to see Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Uh, sorry, and D'Lo. But I watched the last couple games, and I see the way that D'Lo plays, and I'm like, if this guy doesn't have the ball, I don't understand how he's going to get in rhythm. Some of the shots that he takes and some of the shots that he makes are literally because he has the ball all game, and he's able to shoot the ball with a pure green light. If he's playing off of Steph and he's playing off of Clay. I don't know how that's going to work. I still want to see it, but you see some of the stuff that he makes, man. It is cr- <laughs> it just he, and it's so funky, right? Cuz he's leaning to the left or he's leaning to and the he's right. So, he's so slow and you don't understand <laughs> how he gets it off, but he gets it off. It's kind of like, quick, too, you yeah, know. Yeah, it's it's funky because he doesn't get a shot blocked. Like you'd think because he's kind of a slow down player to get a sh- it, it is hardenish the way he like gets it off cleanly the way he wants not rushed whenever he wants um mm-hmm. james harden who went one for 17 last night by the way but uh but you know jesus shooter gonna shoot uh, do we do we need to talk about the rockets after after d we probably should but go ahead well so i wanted to pull this number up these numbers were also before the portland game so um you know so one game's missing from this d with draymond on the floor Per 36 minutes, 21.7 points, 6.3 assists, 41.7% from the field, 37.1% from three. D'Lo without Draymond, 31.3 points, 7.4 assists, 47.5% from the field, 35% from three. Um, Kind of points to what you're saying. Like when he has the ball – he puts it in the bucket and he can do whatever he wants with it. Uh, but when he's playing with Draymond, who obviously needs the ball in his hands, he's not as comfortable being um, operating off ball the way Steph and Clay are. Yeah, 31 points for, I don't know the sample size that you pulled it from, um, but 47% from the field and 35% essentially from three and 31 points is ridiculous, right? That's, I mean, that's all star, even in the Western Conference number. Um, so I. <sighs> It's that that's the fear because you watch that and and you you watch him without Draymond, but you also need Draymond on the floor at the same time. Like it's he's gonna have to play. They have to find a way to make uh, it work. This is why I'm on team um, B 
be a little more pragmatic with trading him because the worst thing in the world is if the Warriors trade him for like a nice role player and then he explodes. You know, you don't want that. Um, but at the same time, we both also look at him and go like, I just don't see how it's ever going to maximize in the Warriors construct. So maybe they're in a little bit of a Philly position too, where you're like, you don't want to give away this player for fear of him exploding somewhere else and you looking dumb, but they're, they're caught, but they're caught in a, between a rock and a hard place too. Cause if you trade Draymond, there, there goes your defense. And so what are you really, what do you, you By can't the way, really did you anything know this? The Warriors are 12th in defense since December 1st. It's, um, that's Miley Geach talking baby 30th in offense, but <laughs> <laughs> it looks like 30th in offense too. It, it, oh, it's I bad. Can, it's bad, man. Uh, but 12th, yeah, so top, top half of the, of the, and, th- and, and, and that's, that's what D'Angelo didn't play a lot of those games. No, too, he right? played a good amount of those, but that's with Draymond. That's with, uh, Alec Burks, it's with Glenn Robinson the third, Lil Pascal, some some Marquise Chris, some Willie Collis. I mean, it's like outside of Draymond, I don't think anyone I listed there is someone anyone would say is like, oh yeah, that's a good defender. That's the uh so are we giving Steve Kerr credit? Are we giving Ron Adams credit? Are we I think we're giving Steve Kerr credit. I think he's <laughs> I think he's um he's navigated it pretty well. Um I guess one last thing I would say with this is if they do keep D'Lo next year and keep everyone and have this like super deep roster, which is a mix of vets and young guys, um, they're not going to, they're not going to, you know, put D'Lo off the bench, but maybe the way they do it is they stagger it. So like D'Lo's running the second unit when, yep. when Draymond's not on the floor, you're minimizing the time they're on the floor together and you have this like funky Spursy team where you're like, I don't know, like, you know, maybe their best lineups don't make total sense, but they got like 10 good players and like over 48 minutes. It's just hard to beat them. I, I, I agree. And if they can grab, you know, maybe like a, a, a decent wing, right? Like Mo Harkless comes to mind. Maybe he's too good. Maybe someone a little worse, but like if they get one of those, they get another center. That's decent. That isn't Willie Colley Stein. Um, and and I think that that you're right. That's a, that's a team that's you know it's it's kind of like the Spurs except they have a high ceiling. So that's probably like a two seed, three seed, maybe four seed at worst. I mean, all and the years the Spurs were like that, they were always a two or three seed. So. The, well, there, there you go, right? And I'm thinking of like the current Spurs, kind of right. But yeah, and, and and that's I think that's that's fine. I mean, I think that's more than fine because the what I what we don't want and what we keep saying is you don't want to tether yourself to like a really low ceiling. Right. You don't want to say, okay, a Kogi and Covington or like, you know, I, I even say like Jonathan Isaac has high upside, but even then it's like, if you oh, I'm, get, all like in, Aaron I'm all Gordon, in on, I'm all in on Isaac, but um, like, but yeah, but like, Aaron Gordon's a good example. It's like, okay, great. Like he's solid, but you know, what's really your ceiling. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay with that where it's like you play through it and not every season you're going to be the overwhelming favorite, which they've been for five years. Like it's not, it's okay to be a two seed or a three seed. And like you, you, you expect Steph to ball out in the playoffs and, and maybe he'll get you to the NBA finals. Like I'm like, what's wrong with that? One, like, I feel po- like that's one positive of keeping deal. Like I think every warrior fan thinks they're going to do D'Lo plus the poo poo platter for like a star. <laughs> Right, um, which would be great, right? Including the pick, maybe not even the pick. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, like maybe, and that would be great. But in the scenario where they don't, 
they could have a really deep roster, and having a really deep roster might be a great way to keep Steph healthy for 75 games, where he doesn't have to play 35, 36 minutes a game at age 32, 33. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think... Um, and, and I... I there, there's part of like we watched it, and this is a great segue for James Harden because, um, doesn't James Harden kind of look tired too? Like he's playing like shit. That playing style is just not sustainable. We know that, and it's like years and years and years of this, and we see him choke in the playoffs. And part of it's fatigue, part of it's mental, part of it's just who he is as a person, how he plays. But it is hard to just kind of shoulder the offense like that. If Steph does what Harden does from like a like a play style, right? We all agree Steph is averaging thirty five points a game, and he's efficient, right? But also, he's probably gassed. Like he probably can't play that way either. Nobody can, right? Especially with the way he tries on defense. So I, I think, uh, yeah, that's that's always my favorite part. It's like who can shoulder the load Harden can. And I'm like, I mean, it's fair to say like outside of like LeBron, maybe no one else. Like not even LeBron now, but like a younger LeBron. Yeah, that's right. But that's is right. it good? Does it give your team the best chance to win? And I'd argue no. It gives your team – I mean, you might rack up regular season wins because half the league's a joke. But it's – what are you doing here? You're not building a team with a higher ceiling. No. No, and it's just – they're do, and the Houston is literally doing the exact same thing. So I think that's part of it where where Steve Kerr does make sense where it's like, yeah, you, you play this type of style and, and you kind of – go deep in your bench. The problem with Steve Kerr is he does that in the postseason, right? Like he doesn't really know how to scale it back. And he's out here fucking playing Anders and Varishow in the, in the, in the NBA finals. So there's faults with that too. But, uh, but like we watched that 2016 NBA finals. I don't really think that the Warriors burnt out. I just kind of think guys were hurt and it was just a weird series of events. I don't know why we're talking about 2016 now, but, uh, but I think with Steph, he got like another freak injury, right? That wrist. Um, but, when do you think they say he's back? MT Marcus said he's back. What March first? Yeah, the date we're hearing is March first versus the Wizards. Um, <laughs> of all I, the teams, that's I the looked at the one. schedule. They definitely play like the Lakers and maybe the Clippers the week before. And I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not trying to have Seth's first game be you know that, um, but that would mean he has 22 games left do we think this has any do you think that hurts their chance at a top pick oh yeah 100 percent. are you kidding are you kidding me yeah no i'm saying with that with with that little of the season left yeah i know but it's still 22 games i'd assume they'd go 500 right so that's 11 wins right there um there are 10 right now so 21 that's still really low that's still probably not gonna go 0 and 15 the next 15 (laughs) so yeah you're talking about try though they'll try maybe maybe that you know if he plays the final 20 ish games they're probably like a 25 win team yeah yeah maybe 25 no um uh no by the way no no read today boys um but um make sure to subscribe to light years premium by the way i think we're gonna have warriors world uh sheet on uh in a week or so to tell us what's been going on with him uh, we should have done this at the top of the uh, top of the podcast, um, but we'll have him on on Light Years Premium. Hashtag make sure to free sheet. <laughs> um, you gotta get him out of. You gotta get him out of Twitter jail. Um, with with uh, with uh, with Steph, um, they'll probably do this. They'll probably play him like twenty six minutes a game for the first couple games, right? You think like they're not gonna? Ruin they're not gonna stats. throw him out there. Yeah. <laughs> you think Steph cares? Maybe a little bit. Yeah, he's too love of the game. 
I don't know. Maybe. Um, I guess we got a date. I'm, it still seems so far away. But he probably play now. Look at that. He's always sitting on a bench with like a with like a, a tennis ball in his hand, and he's kind of like stretching out. It's like, all right, like what are we doing? <laughs> Did you see that report that Steve Kerr says that Stephen Clay has got to got to show up to games? You know, show leadership. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny. You think Clay wants to be there? Maybe. <laughs> Do we know where in this where Clay lives these days? <laughs> Uh, you know, I kind of. I, mean, I kinda, wouldn't disclose it on the pod if I knew. No, nah, nah. only only if it was like written in an article where it's no longer a secret. <laughs> but um, he doesn't yeah. seem like a. He doesn't seem like an SF guy. I don't really know what he seems like. Seems like an Oakland guy. I mean, he's definitely an Oakland guy. Everyone knew he lived around Lake Merritt. He loves his little nature. Um, I I could see Clay in the hate. But, I couldn't see. I couldn't see him in like, like he. I don't know. Like he. I couldn't see him in Russian Hill. I couldn't see him. I, not in the marina. I don't. Well, I mean, I get. I don't know. He's a little space. But let's go to this. So, <laughs> um, we got a little snippet. Steph's going to be on Stephen Jackson and and Matt Barnes' pod, the Up and Smoke one, on Thursday, which I'm obviously going to have to listen to. Um, and Steph was talking about how AI always puts him in his top five. And Steph mentions. They asked AI his top five players that. of all time. He said your name. That. You know what's funny? I have that saved on my phone because that, that's, that's. For him it's, to it's say crazy. that? It's crazy, right? Okay. <laughs> I'm never, I ain't ever have a big head where you like, that dude who I picked up right. a lot of the game and inspiration from that he's now looking at my game like, yo. Like some OGs, they they don't want to relinquish the Mm-mm. nah. The a lot of them be hating. Yeah, yeah. a lot of them be hating. Just be, keep it real, they yeah. be hating. And yeah. that part of it, like when you hit, see the guys actually, like the same way we respect the mm-hmm. OGs, like we want it both ways. Mm-hmm. And so, like when you do hear that, that that means that means something, man. Who do you think he was referring to? Oh, I, you know, I I this is how you know that you know Steph sees everything, all players see everything. That's a lot of people, right? Remember Oscar Robinson or Robertson? During that uh, 73 win regular season, right? When he was, he came out and, and, and essentially just kind of, just for no reason, just went after Steph and went after the Warriors. And it kind of, from there, it's been a weird, um, let's just say it's a lot of ex-players that don't necessarily think that Steph was for real. Um, and I think it's really refreshing to see him kind of admit that. Because why wouldn't it bother him? at least a little bit. Cause I think for Steph, he cares the most about what his peers or what the players think of him. You know, unlike Kevin Durant, Steph doesn't really care what I say or what you say or what we tweet. I think what's the most important to Steph is like, you know, do other players respect him or do like X players respect him and, and things like that. Right. So I think it does bother him. And I think it is pretty cool that has it only been Allen Iverson. You think that's really been the only X player that has come out and just been like, love he just loves basketball just loves every single player that plays i feel like he's the most prominent Uh um and maybe we'll see it more like uh kobe kobe's kobe's kind of like a little professor he he just loves to talk about everyone and he 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 does the thing where he praises people in a way that like shows his own intelligence which is a very kobe thing to do Uh, but yeah kobe's not out here going oh 
James Harden, I give him buckets, even though he probably thinks it, right? <laughs> He's just out here like giving his opinion on like how every player plays in a um, in, in a relatively positive way. Maybe we'll see a new generation of that. Maybe that'll be the new thing where they're less uh, um, less critical. Uh, I mean, you can even be critical, like in in terms of how they play. But I, I think we've harped on this a lot. We watch, and I've noticed a lot in this of this in the last year. I think ever since you've brought it up, uh, you know, kind of, kind of in the last year or so, is that you watch the NFL and you kind of notice that a lot of the ex players and a lot of the people they just they love football and they love kind of whatever's going on, regardless of what happens. I'm gonna be honest with you. Couldn't be excited about watching Ryan Tannehill. Could not be less. Could not be less. You know, excited to watch that guy play football. But like the way that they package and the way that they talk about it, the way that they commentate, it's like, man, that's that's pretty cool. Um, it kind of gets me excited to watch Ryan Tannehill when he's a goddamn scrub, right? And, and it's like you watch the the NBA and sometimes you see Steph or you see like. Um, Joel Embiid and then you've got guys saying that oh he should be getting 45 you know he should just be shouldn't be shooting threes or this or that it's like well I mean am I do I really want to hear that if I'm a if I'm a casual fan and and I kind of want to be excited about the game no I mean that's that's the problem with all the studio shows and everything is like they make it sound like the game sucks (laughs) and that's just not a good sales pitch I mean it you know and you hear it from your friends, like, well, th- nothing matters till the playoffs and, like, the players shoot too many threes and the sort of stuff. And you're just like, I mean, I know where you're hearing that, but how is this positive for the league? You would think someone would have sent a memo to them to be like, talk about the game in the context of what's going on, not in terms of building up your legacy. You had a great, uh, you had a great point this week about, um, about the, man, and I forget it was something it, it was, Oh, it was, um, Darrell Rivas and Richard Sherman. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it, I thought it was a great point about how it, you were saying essentially, Hey, like the NFL, like this is kind of like an NBA kind of beef thing, right? You've got an ex player talking shit about a current player. And it, it's funny. It's funny. It's entertaining. It's on Twitter. Um, everybody sees it, or at least a, a certain amount of people see it. And then, you know, the NFL covers it. They talk about it, but they also don't talk about it for a week straight. <laughs> It's not the leading topic on first take for a week straight, right? There's a difference. There's nothing more. Um, the best example of how bad NBA coverage is for the league. Last year in the playoffs, the Warriors were dealing with KD injured in what was, I don't want to call it a historic run, but it was definitely a dramatic run, right, from the Houston game on. And every day there was still a segment on what LeBron was Instagramming. Every day. <laughs> watch, watch the jump. Every day. Do do you think NFL TV is running with what Darrell Revis is saying? No, they're talking about Mahomes. They're talking about the Niners. You know, someone people are debating how good Jimmy Garoppolo is, but like it's a fair debate topic considering he didn't throw the ball. Um, <laughs> Legendary performance. We'll get I, into it. I, I just still can't believe they won that way. That was just so. Anyway, that's a different conversation. But like, my point is. It was like a funny sideshow thing in the NBA. It's there like, you go. The, that's that's the center. They don't even want to talk about the game. That that that's that's all. It. And all I, the all the coverage last playoffs was is Kawhi going to stay? I'm like, I don't know. He's kind of averaging 35 a goddamn game, and it's it's a legendary run. Meanwhile, the Warriors are like about to fall apart. One player's 
out injured, who's one of the best players of all time, and like Clay's limping around with a banged up knee. Um, Clay, by the way, I mean, I don't know, man. He was playing hurt for a Thank while you. there, and it was very evident. In a weird way, I think he shoots better when he's hurt because he doesn't move his body as much. It just concentrates on his shot, but that's a different topic. It, it, there was so much going on there, and it, all anyone wanted to talk about is free agency. And it was that, and it was like it was like a lot of just a lot of Kevin Durant, and, and that's fine to talk about Kevin Durant the whole time. What it is, if he if he's healthy or not. But listen, it's not Kevin Durant's camp wasn't saying anything. So if they're not disclosing any information, what are we talking about here, right? Like, I'm with you. Like, that was a great story where Kawhi is kind of like a, a mercenary, essentially. And he's just, he getting flipped to a place he don't, don't want to be. And with guys that, you know, may not even like him. And they're still winning. He's carrying that team. You've got the Warriors, like you said, falling apart. Um, and they're still winning. You know, they Playing just... Playing on their last fumes. It, it really... And, and that... You, you didn't get that Iguodala, sense. by the way, Iguodala, half the playoff games... Was hurt, like always he could barely move. Yeah, you don't you don't really get that sense of man. We're we're witnessing something special, right? Yeah, there's no sense of the moment. It's all yeah. about the drama. It's like it's a it's like a Bravo show. Like oh, this season, like who's fighting with who? Instead of like really, we're watching one of the better teams of all time in the last stages of a run, and. There was no drama around it. It, it didn't feel like um, yep. drama is the wrong word. There was, it didn't feel like it was covered properly. Yep. Yep. Um, and the other, uh, uh, the other part of it too is I, I did, <clears throat> sorry, I did feel that um, you kind of, you kind of look back and <sighs> what you look at the NBA today. I've lost my train of thought. Maybe we want to cut that out. <laughs> but you look at the NBA today and you kind of think of it and you see the people that say, well, we throw these tweets out and we throw these videos out and we throw these debates out and we get a lot of clicks. Right. That's that's the argument, Sam. Right. That's the argument. Right. But if if people can just consume the product of what you're selling by clicking a video link or clicking a, a GIF or a tweet if that's what you're selling, then what the hell is the point of watching the basketball games, right? Because you're not selling the actual basketball games to us. You're just selling stuff that's going on on Twitter. And that's the thing. People tell me, well, younger fans are consuming the game through Instagram. They're not consuming the game then. They're consuming highlights. And one, from a business standpoint, I don't know how you monetize highlights at the rate that you monetize the game, but two, shouldn't you be trying to get those people to want Correct. to watch games? Yep. It's a beautiful sport. The re- I mean, you and I both love basketball. The reason we like it is watching those moments. As as heartbreaking as it was to like watch Clay tear his ACL, like, I will never forget that game and everything leading up to it. It was one of the most yep. dramatic series. And you know what? Both that and Steph, both Clay and Steph came to my mind when I saw Derek Jeter get inducted in the Hall of Fame today or, you know, get officially noticed that he was getting into it. Like, no, it was, we all knew he was going to get in, right? But, um, but it was just like a player who'd been with a team that long, who'd been through so many iconic moments. And I'm sitting here going like, I mean, Steph and Clay may be that way for Warrior fans where it's, 
you know, at the end of the run, it's going to be something you end up telling your kids about for 30, 40 years. And it, it, and you've watched so many games over the years and it means so much to a community. You're replacing that with just like Caruso highlights and James Harden highlights and Instagram clicks. Like, I don't think that's healthy or just in the best, um, best direction or just best for the sport. Right. Yeah. There's a, there's a large amount of, um, there's a large amount of fans that are, that, you know, watch sports that, are online that don't engage right in the way that that Twitter does. I think that's just kind of the important part here is um, with the NFL, they do it because they just, they just don't care. They're like, listen, um, right or wrong. They're just like, people are going to watch the games. We want to market the games. A lot of this other sideshow stuff is awesome, but end of the day, we're marketing Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Right. And, uh, and I don't even know who you market, Kid, George Kittle, I guess, on the Niners. Uh, Jimmy G, just because he looks, he looks P- cool. PFF's but- <laughs> Player of the Year, George Kittle. George Kittle, right, ninety five, um, highest ever. But but like that's the important part, right? And with the NBA, a lot of it, it's like it's like, oh, it's a year round sport. You know, it's the NBA draft and it's free agency and it's this and it's that and and it's awesome. But and the then, NFL is a year round sport too. But the year round is all in context of the season. It's like, who are yeah. they going to draft? who you know like that sort of stuff so i don't know i i just it feels like it's cheapening it and it's making me love it a little less it has less to do with the warriors than anything because i'm still enjoying this 10 and 35 team because they play hard um but it's like the coverage around it just makes me want to consume it less yeah it's been a uh it's been a rough uh, i you know let, let's see what happens next year i think we've we've talked about this topic a lot let's see what happens next year um uh, when the Warriors are back, uh, let's see what happens. Because because you do when the adults are back, it, yeah, it is tough. Because the Warriors, would you would you say you know in terms of like you know how how players look the way they play? Would you say like the Warriors are the most like kind of free flowing, happy kind of bunch in the NBA? Like the Clippers, definitely not that. You know, uh, uh, the Lakers, eh, it feels kind of forced. And like you look around the rest of the league, it's kind of like, man, you, I kind of miss the Warriors where it's like they just have a shit ton of fun uh, when they play basketball. It's just yeah, a, there's I mean, like we're biased, but we uh, are there. I mean, there's some young teams up and coming, but you wouldn't know it because they're not covered <laughs> on the level that they should be like Denver. I don't know what's going on there. I'm intrigued by them. Like Michael Porter Jr. makes me way more intrigued by them. And they definitely like if Porter stays healthy and what we're seeing now is for real they might actually be the best team in the league in two years. You know? Yeah. Um, and I just feel like if this was the NFL or another sport, that's all people would talk about. Um, but it's not. So I don't know. We, we we'll need see. to, we need to get to the last topic, which is another Bay area team makes the, fi- the finals. Like uh, I wanna, how do you feel by the way? Because my giants and my Niners keep making the, the championship game. First off, I've, I'm <laughs> adopting the Niners. Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, it, so it's, it's uh, baseball is one thing because uh, the A's are bays, but um, the Raiders moving away made me just feel nothing. Like I went to a couple of games this year and I enjoyed it because of the community atmosphere and everything. But like, 
the minute the owner moves the team, I'm like, I'm numb to you. Like, I don't have an emotional attachment to you the way I used to. Right. Yeah. When they and, get Tom Brady, it'll be different though. <laughs> In Vegas. Like, like I, I guess I'll have a little soft spot, but, um, <laughs> but it is kind of wild. This is the 11th final Iberia team has been in this decade. I'm counting the sharks, although San Jose is Southern California. Um, <laughs> Um, here's the thing. I, me personally, I didn't see a single Joe Montana, a uh, Super Bowl. I didn't even see the Steve Young Super Bowl. I missed the Barry Bonds World Series, uh, run. So I'm not even counting any of those in my lifetime. Um, and I, it's just, it's wild, uh, that, that you, it, well, you know, you, I can, so here, I remember the OOs really well and like, okay, Bonds went to the World Series once. The A's were really good then for three, four years, uh, but never got to the World Series. The Warriors were god-awful that yes, we celebrated, that. we believe. The Niners were disgusting in the OOs. Um, the Raiders were disgusting in the OOs. Like, there was nothing there of value. You know, there's a couple of good baseball years, and that's – and, like, a we believe run, which was more fun than anything. Like, no one thought we believe was going to win a title. Um, and then we get to this decade and, you know, just again beyond it. I mean, the Giants did win world, three World Series. The Warriors went to five, won three. Then I, I almost forgot about the Kaepernick Warriors or Kaepernick Niners being this um, this decade because there's been so many other teams, right? Like it feels so long ago. Uh, and it's wild. It's making me wonder if we're about to hit another long drought. Hey, 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 hey. Slow, slow the, slow down, slow down. Long drought. Because doesn't it feel almost unsustainable, the level of just relevance? You know, you can say what you want about the teams. We can debate which team was better at their sport. None of that matters. The point is there was a barrier team that was in the finals of their sport every year of this decade, basically. <laughs> I w- and sometimes, I w- too. Um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, and a lot of championships, three, six, six championships, um, potentially, those, potentially seven, but yes, six, yeah, six yeah. out of 10. That's, uh, some people are just, people cry when, you know, people that live in like Chicago cry when they win one. Um, I think, I think it's sustainable in that it's crazy. You see all three franchises at least in my opinion all three franchises the Niners the, the Giants and the Warriors they're all in a in a gr- they all are led by great kind of managers and people right like to me it's like to me you look at Farhan and in my opinion no matter what like he's got it under control like to me it's like the guy is the smartest but I think you, I just, think you, you think you have to go even above that with the Giants whether their ownership is is invested so yeah, even if they yeah. go through a down spell, that ownership's still going to. They'll figure over a ten-year sample. They'll figure something out that competes. I mean, they hired Farhan Zaidi when they've been behind in terms of analytics and really kind of knowing what baseball is about, right? So they've kind of realized that they fucked up. So, like, I, I believe in that. And then you got Kyle Shanahan, who, I mean, if if it's not Bill Belichick, like, really, who's the Who's a coach that's better than Kyle Shanahan, right? Maybe Andy Reid, right? But he's in the t- elite top three, top five. And then you've got Steve Kerr, you got Steph Curry, you got Bob Myers. Like you've got the Warriors that are still going to be really good for the next, you know, three to four years. So I, I don't, you know, it, it's kind of something where it's, it's a decade of this. And I really see it for the next five years. Like 
Maybe they don't win three, four, five championships, but it's there's going to be a lot of winning in the next five years too. I, th- like, I think the I think the big thing is yeah, we know Joe Lacob's going to spend. We know Joe Lacob's <laughs> going to put a winner on the floor more years than not. Um, the Niners make money. Jed York seems to have learned from some of his earlier correct. mistakes. And they're always going to be in the mix there, too. The Giants are top five in terms of generating revenue. And I want to throw my A's in there. Billy Bean puts a winner on the field. Well, they're the smartest team in baseball. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like as long as you have that, you know, we're watching with the Warriors. This is a down year. But we feel confident that they're going to turn it around. And maybe they never win another title with this core. Maybe they don't. But I have a very hard time seeing them not being a perennial playoff team in the mix. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, um, and that's really all you can ask for as a fan. Like, what you don't want is what we saw in the OOS with Cohan and um, not yeah. Jed, uh, but John York, and like them not knowing what to do at all, and where you're just like, I guess you could look at Chicago as an example of this. Like the Bulls post Jordan had nothing going for them, and it starts with ownership. All those fans point to like Reinsdorf not caring. Or you can look at the Knicks. Look at the, with look at the Rockets right now, though. Look at Tillman Fertitta and what's going on, too. I, uh, it's you a think Daryl Morey wanted to get Russ? It's a little early, but yeah, that one's not trending the right direction. <laughs> You're right. No, but I mean, like, look at the um, the Knicks are the best example, right? Like, oh, yeah. They have every market advantage you could possibly want. But <laughs> when the man on top just cannot get out of his own way, like, even if they stumble into a little good thing like they had with Mello in 12, 13, and, like, that team was – they still won 50-some games. So, like, they're they didn't even need to trade for Mello, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no? they, 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 they found a way to screw up <laughs> – they found a way to screw up a team that should have at least been in the playoffs every year. Um, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, quick thoughts on the Super Bowl or quick thoughts on the, the conference championship? I, I – I think that I, I, I'm a homer. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo has at this point become underrated um, just because you just people, think that because you saw Nick Wright's video today, which first you, of need, all, you, people, needed, okay. you needed that. You needed that to fuel you. <laughs> and you loved it. People think that the Niners people, I, I think people think Kyle Shanahan was protecting Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that they think he's Rex Grossman. I, I think that they think he's like a, nah, one of those nah, shitty no one, quarterbacks. No one thinks that I think, but I do think, um, <laughs> It's just it's not true. He's good. He is good. Really good. It's just because on the other side you have what might be the best quarterback of all time. Well, yes. You have a guy who looks just and I I will say this. I've never seen a game like the Niners game against the Packers. They didn't not usually usually teams that don't throw the ball are like the Titans, right? Where it's like they got this yes. game manager, yes, and but they have this badass running back, and it's just like if we have our way, we're going to give it to them forty times a game. The Niners, I think they wanted to throw the ball. They're like, I don't know, we're getting eight yards every run. <laughs> like, why even? You know, it was it was it was so demoralizing uh, to Green Bay and dominating. Like, uh, I, I just I can't think of anything like it because like. I think they probably would have rather had like a more balanced attack, but like it's also one of those things where like if this play's working, why why mess with it? Well, I mean, Kyle Shanahan's also a genius. At this point, it's like third and eight. The guy calls a draw play or a trap run play, and and because he knows Mike Pettin likes the blitz and he, and or from whatever angle, and he just calls that. And it's a thirty-eight yard touchdown on third and eight. 
You remember the Browns called a third and like 10 run play? Give us a and you're like, that, we, don't, we don't celebrate victories over Cleveland here. <laughs> but no, but, but no, 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 I'm saying like they called one. The Browns <laughs> called one against someone else on Monday Night Football and people roast them, right? And it's like, Kyle Shanahan, it just, it just seems like it's a step ahead. I think for this Super Bowl, the Chiefs have literally like the worst run defense in the league too. So it's like, I mean, if, nah, if you, actually their defense has been better, but obviously run, their offense is what? Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, it, it feels like, I mean, the, the chiefs are what point and a half favorites. Um, it, it seems like it's, it's going to be crazy. Uh, I, I just, I just feel like people think that they, that Jimmy G's Ryan Tannehill. And, uh, we did watch Jimmy G go into new Orleans and win that game. Now, if Drew Brees had the ball last, they probably win too, but the guy threw for 350 yards and four TDs. Like the guy can ball. Like he's not Alex Smith. And I think that's that's he's not Nick Mullins. Um, and I think that's uh, hey Nick Mullins good. Um, but yeah, no, don't. I don't know why you like Nick Mullins? <laughs> he's solid. Um, yeah, no, they'll be they'll be good. I think it's I'm I'm really excited for it. I I can't wait for that game because uh, it, I I my feeling is it's going to be a high scoring one, um, higher scoring than the last two games. Uh, the Niners are not going to be able to get away with running the ball 50 times a game. Like, I, mean, I, just, I just think Casey's going to score on them, and they're going to have to do some more stuff. And, like, that's fine. They're capable. It's just wild that they didn't have to in the two games they played. I, I, I am I am excited to see kind of if Kyle Shanahan didn't, you know, can you imagine the, the, the pass plays that he's drawn up? Because you know he hasn't drawn any. I mean, he's drawn some up in the last two weeks, right? And it's like he hasn't, I mean, he hasn't, I think Kittle's he hasn't used like any of them. targets in the playoffs. Maybe. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's not even like he's, it's it's not like they're trying to do stuff. It's like literally like, yeah, we'll just run all over you. What's, what's the point? So now they're going to have to, <laughs> to to go with the full playbook. So, uh, so I'm excited. Um, well, maybe we'll do more of a preview next week because uh, we're doing football now. But uh, I think we're I think we're done for the, I think we're done for this week, man. Yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.